today. Uh, before I get to that, it's been a unique five months, I'm sure. Russ, have you ever led the opening prayer? <laughs> well, maybe it's not as unique. Not commonly, yes. Have you ever gone, what, three weeks in a row without preaching the uh, sermon? Probably not. It's been a unique time for many, many reasons. Uh, Kyle, as uh, Kevin mentioned, is a student, will be graduating December from Bear Valley. And uh, I just thought it might be a good opportunity to just go over what we've been doing at Bear Valley, at least some of our, all, the graduates from Bear Valley that we help support. Uh, Jesse LeMay is a pulpit preacher in Bend, Oregon now. Parker LaGrange is in Dripping Springs, Texas. I think he's the youth minister. And Kevin Lovell, who uh, just graduated a couple, three months ago, is, uh, is a house, one of the house parents, his, his wife, Shanna, is the other one, uh, at the uh, Arkansas Children's Christian Home or something along those lines. And uh, he'll be working pretty closely, very closely, with the uh, local congregation there. So that's, that's what we uh, intended when we support people there. And, and I know Kyle and Lauren have just come off of a, uh, an internship down in Houston. And they're just one semester away from graduating. So we look for good things, big things to happen for them in the future in, in terms of service for the Lord. And the other two students we have up there are Max McDougal and a new couple, Dylan and Marissa Proctor. Okay, enough of that, Bill. This is the bio Kyle gave us. And if, and if his bio writing ability is any indication, he'll be a, a, a whale of a preacher. But I think he told me his wife wrote this. Which, which would be fitting because she's really the one we support. We don't support Kyle. We, uh, we made a good investment, though. She changed her last name, and we ended up with two for the price of one. So that's Kyle grew up in Moore, attending the Central Church of Christ. He and his wife, Lauren, are currently students at the Bear Valley Institute, where they plan to graduate this December. He has been involved in preaching at various churches in the Denver area and teaching Bible classes at Bear Valley. And he has interned with the Central Church of Christ and Church of Christ in Champions these past two summers. After Kyle and Lauren plan to find a place to begin youth ministry where they can set down roots and help youth build a foundation of faith for their futures. Good morning, church. It's good to be home, and I know it's home because I haven't gotten as many dirty looks about my OU mask as I did down in Texas. So I can tell it's home because of that. Uh, Lauren and I always love getting to come out here to Southern Ridge, and it's great to see all of you, all the members, uh, all the visitors. Uh, I'm really thankful for the live stream service. Never thought that I'd say that, but after COVID, I think we all are a little thankful that God blessed us with technology like that. This is actually the third time I've gotten to come preach here. I don't know if you remember the past two, but when I was thinking about what I wanted to preach on, I realized I've preached out of Ephesians both times that I've come out here, so I thought, why not pull one over on them and give them a little three-part series that they never saw coming? Um, so the first time, I preached on Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, and we talked about what, a, what your lifestyle looks like when you're living uh, as a Christian. 
Then the second time, we talked about Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, and we talked about the things you get for being in Christ, how God deserves our praise. So today, I want us to, I want us to talk about what we're going to need for that life, the life uh, of being a Christian, what we're going to need. <clears throat> if you want to turn in your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 10. That's where we're going to be for the majority of this lesson. Ephesians 6 and verse 10. And I think the majority of you are aware, but... As Christians, you fight battles every single day. Your life is a battlefield, and ultimately we are in a war. As Christians, we have to fight these battles um, that are put before us. And even our children know this. We sing songs like, I'm in the Lord's army. Um, we teach them songs like that. We sing songs like, soldiers of Christ arise from earlier, and the battle belongs to the Lord. So we understand that we are in a battle. <clears throat> so today... I want us to look at this text from Ephesians chapter 6, and I want us to see four things that every single Christian needs in order to fight this battle. The first thing that every single soldier of Christ needs to know is the battlefield. Uh, if you start in Ephesians 6 and verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, and skip down to 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Every single soldier of Christ needs to know the battlefield. And the first thing you need to know about your battlefield is that the battle is spiritual. We are in a spiritual battlefield. We've all heard the saying, you don't want to bring a knife to a gunfight. And how true is that? Um, if you brought a knife to a gunfight, you wouldn't be able to fight back. Um, you'd, be, you'd be long gone before you ever got a stab in. You need the right tools for the job. It always frustrates me when I have a flathead screw and a Phillips screwdriver because you just can't work with the wrong tools. Um, so Christians, your fight is spiritual. Your battlefield is a spiritual battlefield. And the second thing that Paul says about this battlefield, it's not against flesh and blood. <clears throat> and you need to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So your battlefield, the place where you're standing while you fight is the Lord. You're standing on his strength. Uh, when you're planning out a battle, you don't want to fight in quicksand. The ancient Romans, the reason they were so good at fighting, uh, one of the reasons was because they planned out their battlefield. They always planned out where they were going to fight their enemy. If they were going into a foreign nation and there were trees everywhere, uh, they understood that, that that foreign nation, they knew the lay of the land. And so they planned out somewhere to fight, somewhere open, somewhere where they could uh, f face them in uh, mono and mono combat. You couldn't use guerrilla warfare against the Romans because they planned out where they were going to fight you. So as Christians, we need to do the same thing. We have to plan out how we're going to fight, and ultimately our battlefield is on God. He's an unmoving rock, and relying on his strength guarantees you that you've chosen the right place to fight. The only way that you will ever be able to win a spiritual battle as a physical being is using the strength that's provided by God. So every single soldier of Christ needs to know the battlefield. The second thing that every single soldier of Christ needs to know is the enemy. Uh, starting in Ephesians 6 and verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So our first enemy that we need to know about is the devil. Um, he says stand against these schemes of the devil. That means that Satan is ultimately the commander that we're fighting against. He's the one that is in charge of the opposing army. 
And I think we give Satan a whole lot of credit. Um, I know when I was young, I always thought of the battle between God and Satan as these two great forces, uh, one good and one evil, and they're pretty equal, and they're fighting back and forth, and who knows, Satan might win, God might win. That's how I always thought about it, because we look at Satan like he's this mighty, powerful being. Um, you could do a whole study on the devil. Uh, you could do a whole sermon on it, but just briefly, I want to touch on some things that we know about Satan from the Bible. Um, I'm not going to turn there, but in the story of Job, in Job chapter 1, Satan comes before God with the other angels, and God asks him where he's been, and he says, I've been wandering around the earth, and God says, have you considered my servant Job? Well, the reason God says that is because what Satan was doing, he was wandering around the earth looking for people to tempt, for people to accuse before God, to make them stumble, and God knew that. Well, why would Satan need to wander around the earth and look for people individually if he was everywhere all the time? Um, we always look at Satan like he's that, that little uh, voice in the back of our head. He's there all the time right behind us, but he's not. He's not everywhere like God is. Um, Satan isn't even close to as powerful as our God, and he's not everywhere all the time. In that same story, um, Satan tells God, if you remove the hedge from around Job and leave him defenseless, he's going to turn from you. And what happens in that story? Well, uh, even Job's wife says, curse God and die, and Job chooses not to. Uh, Job stays true to God. He has some questions, but he never curses God. He never turns from God. That means that Satan doesn't know everything. Um, he's not even close to as smart as God. So he's not everywhere all the time. He doesn't know everything. And then finally, if he knew there was a hedge in place, that means that he couldn't remove that hedge on his own. So it means he's not as powerful as our God. Um, we give Satan a lot of credit, but he's not everywhere. He's not all-knowing, and he's not all-powerful. That's the commander that we're fighting against, whereas you compare him to our commander, you compare him to, to our God, uh, he, doesn't even hold a, a mat, uh, he doesn't even hold a match to that. He's nowhere near as powerful as our God. Uh, and then it says, against the rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers that are all in darkness. When Paul uses a list like this, he uses it throughout Ephesians, um, he's referring to mighty spiritual beings, things like uh, fallen angels, things like demons. That's what he's referring to here. And he says that all of them are in darkness. Well, being on God's side means that we are fighting in the light. Uh, I think I've told you this before, um, but I'm kind of afraid of the dark still. I know I'm, I'm a grown-up, but I'm still kind of afraid of the dark. I like to use my phone flashlight when I walk down the hallway and things like that, because I don't like the dark. Well, as soldiers of Christ, we are to spread the light. So how do we do that? Well, we need to know how our enemy fights. Um, and ultimately, what our enemy does, they try to make people turn from God. They try and, and get people to turn away by planting doubt and fear in people's lives. And so how do we fight against that? Well, Paul already told us in chapter 5, um, he says to walk as children of light. And then in 5 verse 11, he says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Instead, expose them. So these sinful things that these spiritual beings are, are trying to do, uh, as Christians, we're to expose them. We're to expose them as sin. Uh, you wouldn't know what sin was if you weren't a Christian. Ultimately, we have no way to fight against these spiritual beings on our own. If we didn't have the word of God, if we didn't have God on our side, we wouldn't be able to fight back. So we need what God provides to be protected and to fight back against these spiritual beings. So the third thing that every single soldier of Christ needs to remember is their armor. Uh, starting in verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet 
having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation. He says to put on the whole armor of God. And what's cool about this armor, uh, it's gonna let you stand there and fight, but this is God's armor that he's loaning to us. Um, You don't have to turn there. I'll turn there for you and I'll read it. But if you look all the way back in Isaiah chapter 59, starting in verse 16, he said, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. Um, that's, that's a very interesting description. It sounds just like the one we heard. Righteousness as a, bless, as a breastplate. A helmet of salvation. It's because this is God's armor that he's used in the past and then he's going to let us use. Um, it's kind of like when David went to fight Goliath and he tried on Saul's armor. The difference is David physically wasn't big enough to fit into Saul's armor. Saul's armor didn't fit him right. As Christians, you could be the tallest person to have ever lived. You could be the shortest person to have ever lived. You can still be a spiritual giant that can fill up the armor of God. Because we're fighting these spiritual forces, we need spiritual armor. And so that's what, that's what God gives us. Um, so let's look at the pieces of this armor. Um, the first piece of armor is the belt of truth. Belts nowadays aren't all that important. Um, they're more of a show thing. Um, they, a lot of people don't use belts to hold up their pants. I know I don't need a belt right now. These pants fit me fine without one. But back in Roman times, Paul is in prison and he's looking to his left and to his right and he's seeing Roman soldiers every single day. And so that's what Paul is thinking about. And for a Roman soldier, the belt was one of the most important pieces of the armor because it held everything else together. Um, It held the breastplate down. Uh, It held his pants up. It was important. If he wanted to run and move and maneuver and fight, he needed his belt. And our belt is made of truth. Um, Our belt is probably the most important thing in all of this armor because it holds everything else together. The truth of God is what holds everything together. And so where can truth be found? Well, the answer is in God. God is the only source in this entire world of truth. And so you can look at his word, uh, look at the things that he's told us, and that's where you're going to find truth. So soldiers of Christ need truth as a belt. Um, The second piece of armor, the breastplate of righteousness. Um, Now the belt was important not because of what it protected, but because of what it did. The breastplate was important because it protected so many vital organs. It protected your entire torso, and ultimately uh, it protected your heart. Uh, righteousness, this righteousness comes from God. It is God's righteousness that we're trying to get. So how do you get righteousness? Um, How do you become right with God? The answer is you look at the truth that he's provided, you look at his word, um, you act on it, you you obey it, and ultimately you're baptized. That's how you get that righteousness. That's how you become justified, how you become right with God. And so if we want to have a breastplate of righteousness, if we want our heart to be protected when things are thrown at us, then we have to have on uh, the breastplate of righteousness. We have to be righteous people. We have to be right with God. Readiness of the gospel of peace as shoes. Having the right shoes is very important. We might not think about it. I know a lot of people like to go barefoot. My wife walks everywhere barefoot. But being in Oklahoma, I guarantee you that every single person in here at some point in their life has stepped on a sticker when you're walking around barefoot. Isn't it crazy how something so small Um, can affect so much. You step on a sticker and you can't walk with a sticker in your foot. That's not how it works. You have to take it out. 
Uh, I know I like to wear shoes now uh, around the country because I don't want to step on any stickers. Um, Thankfully, when you did step on that sticker, it wasn't a life or death situation. You weren't in the middle of a fight because if you were, jumping around on one foot yelling ouch isn't going to help you uh, when someone's attacking you. I remember my sophomore year of high school, we played basketball every single Tuesday night. And I jumped up and someone hit me and I fell and I landed on the side of my foot. And if I were wearing basketball shoes, uh, it would have maybe put some strain on my calf, but I would have been fine. Instead, I was wearing my running shoes that I wore for baseball every day. And so I rolled my ankle so bad that my foot broke because I wasn't wearing the right shoes for the situation. As Christians, we have to have the right shoes for everything that's thrown at us. Um, Shoes are vitally important, and our shoes are the gospel that brings peace. It's what protects us when we're running around as soldiers, because we know that we have been saved, because we've heard the gospel, we've acted on it, and because of that, we have peace. Peace is the foundation for everything. Anything that Satan throws in your way to try and trip you up, any hole that he's dug, uh, any stickers that he's thrown in your path, anything like that, if you're wearing the gospel of peace as shoes, you're not going to fall and you're not going to be tripped up. Uh, the next piece of armor is the shield of faith that puts out the flaming darts or the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield that's being described here isn't like a small circle shield. I know that's what I think of. It is a full body shield. It's four feet tall and two and a half feet wide that the Roman, the Roman soldiers would have. Um, so a, a full grown man could crouch behind this thing and his whole body would be protected. So this shield uh, is your faith in God. It's going to stop the attacks from getting to you. But this faith isn't blind. Um, a lot of Christians uh, in, our, in our world, so-called Christians, have blind faith. If you question what they believe, they just say, because the Bible says so, and that's it. They don't go to book, chapter, verse. They don't actually know the Bible well enough to defend their faith. Christians don't need faith like that. Soldiers of Christ don't need faith like that. There might be some things in the Bible that God doesn't go super in detail on. Did Adam have a belly button? I don't know. I don't need to know that. God gives us as much detail as we need. And so when your faith is questioned, when someone asks you, why don't you use instruments while you worship, um, you should be able to go to the Bible and answer that question. Um, It shouldn't be an attack on your faith. What's also interesting about the shield is the description, it puts out those flaming arrows. See, an arrow, when you shot it at someone, the goal was to hit them and ultimately kill them with that arrow. But when you set it on fire, the goal was to hit them and cause lasting damage, cause damage that continued on. See, that's how our enemy fights. Um, He's shooting flaming arrows because he wants to hit you, but he not only wants to hit you, he wants to cause lasting damage in your life. He wants to leave things like fear, anxiety, persecution in your life um, that cause you to stumble, that cause you to not be fully for God. But all of those things can be adequately handled if we have the right kind of faith and we're using the shield of faith to protect us. And that last piece of armor is the helmet of salvation. Helmets are just as important as the breastplate because a helmet protects your brain. It protects your mind. This salvation, the word for salvation here, it's salvation that was gained in the past, that continues on in the present, and that will continue on into the future. What does salvation give you more than anything? It gives you peace of mind. Um, That's what this helmet of salvation is going to do. It's going to give you peace of mind when you're when your faith is being attacked, when things are being thrown at you, it's going to protect your mind from any attempt to disorient you, to distract you from God and his truth. So soldiers of Christ, you need this armor. You need to know the battlefield. Um, You need to understand that it's spiritual. You need to understand that it's on God. You also need to know the enemy and how he fights so you can fight back. 
um, and you need this armor. But what's important about this armor, you need every single piece of it. You can't be missing a piece of this armor. Uh, if you're missing salvation, uh, the, the shield of faith isn't going to fully protect you um, from an attack on your peace of mind. If you're missing the gospel of peace of shoes, uh, the breastplate of righteousness won't protect you when you, you trip up and fall. You need every single piece of this armor in unison to be protected for everything that's going to be thrown at you in your life. And the fourth and final thing that every single soldier of Christ needs is to remember their weapons. Uh, starting in verse 17, uh, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me, and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. The first weapon that you need in your arsenal is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. What's so cool about uh, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, your sword goes on your belt. The Word of God comes from truth. It comes from God and His truth. The sword being described here, it's not like a long sword that you'd have a drawn-out sword fight with. It's a short sword um, that you could attack quickly with if the enemy gets too close. <clears throat> Soldiers of Christ, you're not expected to, to only stand your ground. You're not expected when you get hit, you have on this armor, you might get knocked down, but you get back up. That's not all that's expected of you. By giving you weapons, it implies that God expects you to push on. It, expect, it, it implies that God expects you to push forward and to gain ground. So you have to use this, sport, this sword of the spirit um, to spread the word of God, to attack um, the lies and, and mistruths that have been put out there. You have to know the word though in order to be able to use it. Um, we talked about that earlier. You have to know the word of God. If someone questions you on baptism, if you want to push forward and teach them about baptism, you have to know what the word says about baptism. So that's the first weapon. You have to have the sword of the spirit. You have to have the word of truth. The second weapon is prayer in the spirit. Soldiers need to have a great commander to win battles. If you look at the greatest armies throughout history, um, Greek, the Greeks had Alexander the Great, the Romans had Julius Caesar, um, so on and so forth. They have great commanders. Even the French, they had Napoleon. Um, he was a, a pretty good commander. And that's how they conquered. Well, a good commander is able to communicate with his troops, and his troops are able to communicate back. Well, I hate to tell you this, but we have, or I love to tell you this, I guess, we have the greatest commander that's ever lived, um, the greatest commander that's ever existed. Um, God has never lost a battle. His battle plans are foolproof. He has never lost um, besides when he's let his armies go and fight on their own. God himself has never lost. And prayer is how we communicate to him. So soldiers of Christ have to think spiritually. You have to pray spiritually. When attacks are made on you or your faith, um, the best thing you can do is go to your commander for help. If a modern day soldier is pinned down in fire, what can he do? He can call his commander. He can call for air support. Well, as soldiers of Christ... Um, you can call in God support, I guess, is, is what we could call it. You can call in God support. God can come in and he can help you in whatever situation you're in. You just have to ask. Another thing that you need to know about prayer, you can pray for your fellow soldiers. Um, you, you pray for the battle, but you pray for those fighting right alongside you. And if, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul calls Epaphroditus a fellow soldier because he understood how important this was. Every single one of you is fighting a battle, and you need to pray not only for yourself, not only for the battle going on, but for those around you in their battles that they're going through. Paul thought about those people and we should too. So pray for your ministers here at, here at the church. Um, pray for the work that they're doing. 
Pray for your deacons and the service they're doing, your fellow members and the service that they're doing. Pray for your elders who are constantly undergoing a very hard battle, um, trying to watch over your souls. In a sense, elders would be like officers. They have to report, the, report to the commander how the soldiers are doing. Um, and they're constantly undergoing stress and doing that job. So soldiers of Christ, remember your weapons. Remember the word of truth, the, the sword of the spirit. Remember prayer in the spirit, not only for yourself, but for those around you. See, Christianity isn't always going to be easy. If that were the case, everybody would be a Christian. Every single person on this world chooses um, a path for them, and a lot of people choose the easier path. War is waged against you every single day. You have battles every day in the form of temptation, sin, persecution, um, dealing with lies, anything like that. You face a battle every single day. You face multiple battles every single day. And soldiers of Christ, you need to know your enemy and the way that he fights. Um, he's going to do everything to plant doubt, unhappiness, to take away your hope, to take away your peace. You need to know that in order to fight back. Um, he's going to do, <clears throat> soldiers of Christ, you need to know your battlefield. And like we said, that's a spiritual battlefield. Um, it's also physical, though, to an extent. Here in Moore, Oklahoma, that's why that's the background of the slide, because that's where you're fighting um, every single day. That's where you're having to deal with your battles, is, is right here in Moore, in Oklahoma City. You're going to have to fight your battles, and you're going to have to come up with places um, where you can go. You'll fight battles in, in Walmart, in the grocery store, in gas stations. You're going to fight battles every single place you go every day, and so you need to know your battlefield. Um, you need to know, your, you need to remember your armor, um, truth, righteousness, faith, <clears throat> the gospel of peace, everything that you'll ever need to survive in this life. You need all of those things. You need to remember your weapons. Um, truth keeps everything held together, and the word of God cannot be refuted. Uh, I love to go online and watch YouTube videos of supposed contradictions in the Bible because there's not one. If you look at every single verse in the Bible in context, there's no real contradictions that people can come up with. Um, using the word of truth, you can refute things like that. And then prayer, it's uplifting, it's encouraging. It is the only way that you can get support from your commander. So each person in here, you are a soldier and you have a job. As you live your life, challenges are gonna arise, battles are going to arise. <clears throat> Maybe the battle's been tough. Maybe you've been knocked down um, by whatever battle that you've been experiencing. Well, this morning, we would love to pray with you. Um, we'd love to serve you however we can. We'd love to, to lift you back up, get you back on your feet, make sure that you have all the armor and the weapons that you need that God provides. Um, maybe this morning, you aren't quite a soldier of Christ yet. You haven't made that decision to follow him, uh, to get baptized. Well, uh, the Lord wants you to, jo to join his army. All you have to do is make that decision today. And coronavirus isn't gonna stop us from helping you get in the waters and be baptized. Um, if you have a need this morning, um, like I said, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to help you in any way we can. If you're on the live stream watching this morning, um, you can reach out to the church through Facebook, however you need to. You can reach out to us, and we'd love to assist you in any way we can as we stand and as we sing.